This is Simply Cyber. Second, guys, we got a lot going on today. Woo! All right. Apologies for the uh, semi-late start here. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning. Today is Thursday, November third. This is episode two hundred and thirty-three, which we finally got to of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and I promise you, in the next forty-five minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing my expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, so how can you operationalize this? Or if you are looking to get in the field, I'm telling you the amount of context, the amount of terminology, the amount of networking going on on this stream is going to benefit you on a level that you cannot wrap your head around yet. But trust me, stay with it. You're gonna break in the industry, it's gonna be epic. Before we get into it, I do wanna say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, my friends, Recon InfoSec and Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions, if you didn't know, is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Also want to throw some love to Recon InfoSec. If your organization is large enough to have real cybersecurity concerns, but maybe not quite large enough to build a full-fledged security operations capability from the ground up, check out the managed detection and response offering from Recon InfoSec, AKA also known as MDR. Their offering includes the people, the process, the technology needed to deliver full spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. If you're not getting people, process, and technology, if they're just throwing tech at you and just sending alerts back over the fence to you, it's not really MDR. It's not really effective, okay? So check out Recon InfoSec's MDR if you're in the market for that. Link in the description below. I want to remind you, if you hold SysP, SysA, SysM, things like that, and you need to get CPEs, say what's up in chat, literally... By saying that, you're basically saying you're here. It's a record that you're part of the crowd, that you did the training. And 
You'll get half a CPE, two and a half a, a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up and document literally the easiest way to get CPEs. And just a pro tip, don't do a half a CP every day in your platform. Just go in like once a month, once a quarter and uh, dump the huge amount and move on to the next thing, okay? If you're live, love it. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Sorry that I was a few minutes late, guys. Got a lot going on over here. Um, which you guys are probably going to chide me because I did stop by Starbucks on the way home because I need coffee. Uh, but we're going to have a good time today. If you're on replay, hashtag Team Replay. Thanks for catching the stream. Be sure to comment in chat. And I want to remind you, Team Replay, that we are raffling off Try Hack Me vouchers. Hopefully you caught yesterday's stream on replay. We're raffling off Try Hack Me vouchers today, two of them. Um, compliments to David Meese and Try Hack Me. Thank you so much, David. Uh, really appreciate your contributions to the stream. But guys, the only way to enter the 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 um, the raffle today is to go to the Discord server and go to the giveaway channel and then hit the little emote for the celebration. That's how you enter. I'm going to quickly show a little video, 15-second video, exclamation point Discord in chat to get to the Discord server, but you can only enter the Try Hack Me raffle today on the Discord server. Hit the invite. You're in the Simply Cyber Discord. The giveaway channel. All right, it's just as simple as that. That's how you can enter the giveaway. Uh, just uh, give everyone a heads up on what their chances are. Um, we currently have only 48 people entered, and it will be drawn at 10.31 a.m. Eastern Time today, so in 23 minutes. Guys, there's only 48 people, and we're giving two away. You have a 1 in 24 chance right now of winning, which is awesome. So get in there. Do it. Um, all right, so let's get to the news. All right, guys? I'm having a good day, and I'm happy. Thanks, Tribe Called Quest, for checking the rhyme. But now, sit back, relax. Let's get into the news, y'all. Third, 2022. Here we go. Wasp malware stings PyPy. The software supply chain security firm Phylum published a report detailing 29 packages in the PyPy registry used to push the Wasp info-stealing malware. These packages appear to all be set up as typo squats with similar names to popular packages. The attackers copied the original code base and then injected the malware through the import statement. This includes copying the package's setup and readme files, so it generates legitimate-looking landing pages with mostly working links. Wasp seems focused on stealing Discord tokens, cookies, and saved passwords. The malicious packages received over 5,700 downloads at the time of the report. Mm. LastPass uh, warns of security. That's actually really smart. Like from a threat actor perspective, guys, I say this on stream probably like once a month. Like, I, I don't think I could be a very good threat actor. Uh, like I know the tools that are out there, but like creative novel attacks aren't really in my wheelhouse. I really, you know, hat tip to these guys. Here's the thing. PyPy is like a repo. And if you've done Python programming, you basically kind of just use it to pull down, you know, stuff. Uh, to, to extend your functionality or leverage other people's code. Um, these guys, you know, typo squatting is typically associated, typo squatting, basically, if you don't know, and you, like you're, you're new here, I want to start catering a lot to the, uh, the new people. Typo squatting is where you basically have typically a domain name, 
uh, like google.com is a domain name, but you'll change like the O's in Google to zeros and it looks like Google, but it's actually g00gle.com, which is a different domain altogether because computers don't care. Is it the same? Yes, no, move on. Okay. But to a human socially engineered, you, you, fool, you fall for it and that's typo squatting. So I haven't seen typo squatting done this way, but it's pretty clever. What they've done is they have copied down full packages. So let's just say um, Beautiful Soup, which is a very, very popular web, scrape, web scraping Python utility. If you've ever scraped anything off the web using Python, if you like hack together code, I guarantee you Beautiful Soup was one of the first things that you checked out or tried, okay? So these guys basically downloaded Beautiful Soup, copied all the code in, and then this is really the clever part. They just add a new import statement into the Python code, which pulls from their um, malicious library, and then they post it up as, you know, Beautiful Soup or whatever, right? Uh, tricking people into falling for it. But the cool thing is, if you look at the source code of the package you brought in, it literally would be the same program, just the import statement's different. And that's what I think the real clever part is. It's not so much typo squatting on tricking you into downloading beautiful soup over beautiful soup, but it's the fact that they've kind of tucked away their malware through an import statement, which, you know, most people don't even look at the source code, honestly. Um... But if they were, you would, you, you might even just scrub down into the function calls and, and leave the imports aside. So um, nice move. Again, I hate giving credit to threat actors, but when they do something cool, when they do something novel, and I think it's elegant, um, I do like to uh, pay respects. Okay, so you know, you know, whatever. Good job. That's all I'll say. Pretty hubris. The Password Manager released its fifth annual Psychology of Password report, which looks at password behaviors among professionals across age ranges. It found a disconnect between confidence of secure behavior and actual practice, especially in Gen Z. They were the most confident in their password management techniques, but were the most likely to use a variation of the same password across sites, relying the most on memorization. 65% of all respondents said they received some cybersecurity education, but of those, only 31% stopped reusing passwords as a result. Almost all respondents, 89%, recognized reusing passwords was a risk, but only 12% used different passwords on different accounts. All right, so this is kind of a cool, this is kind of a cool report by LastPass. Um, you know, I, I won't spend a terrible amount of time. You might want to go pull this report. It's kind of interesting. I wouldn't pull this report for end-user awareness training. I would actually pull for me i would pull this report more to help me shape my end user awareness training program right so i like like okay like how do i effectively connect with the different types of users in my community whether it's by age whether it's by region whether it's by uh you know culture so you know what i mean like the way if you had offices in japan and offices in texas you would treat those end user bases very differently because of just the, the uh, you know, kind of the corporate culture uh, that's assumed by the end users. And then on top of it, their age ranges change, right? Gen Z versus boomers versus millennials, et cetera. Um, I do find it funny that Gen Z is the most confident um, when it comes to password management, but also the biggest offender. I, you know, I hate to sound like uh, an old here, <laughs> but like, isn't it like, I don't even think this translate. I mean, I think this translates to anything. I mean, when I was 22, 
right? I thought I knew everything. I thought I could slay the world. I like, don't talk to me, you old. I know what I'm doing. Like, oh my God, get a load of this guy over here trying to talk to me, right? Whether it's password management or whether it's, you know, career decisions or, you know, buying a car that it makes no sense. Like it's completely impractical, overpriced and not economical, right? When you're young, you think you got, you know it and that's it, right? So I think that 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 translates here as Gen Z being confident. Like I understand password management. Get out of my way, boomer. Right. But in, in reality, they're actually misinformed and they're they're the biggest offenders. Um, so, yeah, I think this is interesting. Definitely worth looking at. Let me see if I can pull one more. Hey, dogs, let me see if I can pull, pull one more piece of uh, statistic out here. Eighty nine percent of respondents acknowledge they use the same password or variation is a risk, but only 12 percent use different passwords or different accounts. All right. This is gross. OK, 12 percent use different passwords or accounts. This means 88% use the same password. This right here is a major issue. And now I want to know how big the corpus was of the people they surveyed and all the ages, because this right here is totally unacceptable. If you get your password compromised in a breach anywhere, it goes like, dude, threat actors have scripts, dude, and they're going to run the scripts on password dumps that they get against the accounts they're mapped to, right? So if my username is... Um, simply cyber at gmail.com and I use password, you know, crap password one, two, three, and the username and passwords get dumped. They're going to try simply cyber at Gmail password or crap password on Gmail, on Facebook, on Twitter, on bank of America. You see what I'm saying? And if you're using the same password over and over again, 88% of the people are, this is not good. This is not good at all because the password they're using for, you know, face space, is also the same password they're using for corporate email. Now, granted, I have multi-factor in place, so that's going to help. But still, this this is a hot mess on fire. Come on, guys. Password vaults. Let's make password vaults cool. Can we, can we do that? Can we make password vaults cool? Dropbox breached. The cloud storage provider disclosed a recent hack. It saw threat actors gain access to one of its GitHub accounts through a phishing attack. This led to the theft of 130 code repositories. GitHub notified Dropbox of suspicious behavior on October 14th. Dropbox says the repositories contain credentials like API keys used by its developers. The attackers also obtained names and emails from a few thousand Dropbox employees, current and past customers, sales leads, and vendors. Stolen code did not include any for its core apps or infrastructures, and attackers never accessed customer accounts, passwords, or payment info. All right. Definitely context ma context matters. So, um, you know, my accounting, uh, like the, the people who hand, like do my taxes and stuff, um, they use Dropbox for secure file. Uh, and when I was pulling this story up again, I don't read these stories in advance. This is all I'm seeing it the first time with you guys, but I see the titles of the stories, obviously, as I'm setting the show up. And I saw this in a pit in my stomach. Like, I was like, oh my God, like if they got access to that data, that would suck. Okay. So it sounds like it's just the code repositories. Um, I don't understand. So I, I suppose GitHub um, is the backend data repos for Dropbox. Remember, Dropbox is just a software as a service solution. It's a cloud-based file sharing service, right? So it's all based on code. Um, the API keys got stolen. Those can be reused. I don't really understand. Yes, it got breached, but what was the what was the impact, right? 130 GitHub repos were taken. So here's what I think. No information 
uh, client information or data was stolen. The only benefit here is that threat actors now have the code, so they could technically review the code, find vulnerabilities, and you know, crack a hack you know, at some time in the future because it's going to be really difficult for Dropbox to re-engineer their entire platform with all brand new code. This is, this is why getting to the top of Bianco, David Bianco's pyramid of pain, the TTPs at the top, this is why it's so painful. Dropbox is not going to re-engineer their entire platform because their code base got leaked, right? So yes, it's going to be different in a month, in a year than what it is today and what these hackers got. But by and large, lots of it is going to be the same. And if they can find vulnerabilities, if they can find bad programming, if they can find security loopholes in the source code, they will be able to exploit it. And then you're going to get potential uh, breaches of end user data, which would totally suck. So uh, not a good look for Dropbox, but the impact isn't wicked bad yet. Musk on Twitter bans. One of the biggest questions since Elon Musk acquired Twitter would be how the self-described free speech absolutist would handle previous banned accounts, specifically that of former President Donald Trump. Musk addressed these concerns, saying that the platform will not reinstate banned accounts before there is a clear process to do so. Musk said it will take at least a few more weeks to build that process, and he began talks with civil rights leaders about joining a content moderation council. Okay, so this is this is cool. All right, so here's the deal. Um, I do appreciate this. Like, obviously, Elon taking Twitter has been in the news multiple times over the past couple of weeks. Um, you know, some people, like I told you, my aunt, my aunt got off the platform because she said that there was all sorts of like basically Nazi-related content in her feed, and she was like, "What the hell? Like, this isn't. I don't like this. This isn't good. I'm out of here. If this is what Twitter's to become, so uh, I don't know uh, if that's what it's going to become or not. But I do appreciate that Musk is approaching banned users with some level of thought and process. Now, who knows? The clear process might be a, a, a clown show where it's like, oh, if you align with Musk's beliefs, then you're clear. And if you are some malicious, uh, you know, hacker, attacker, or you don't align with Musk's views and you're banned, then you don't get banned, right? I don't know if that's the process. My point is a clear process does not always mean a fair process, right? Now, if the process is transparent and it's followed, um, uh, you know, objectively, and everybody's on the same page and feels good about it, good. That sounds more like what it's going to be because he said he was going to be inviting civil rights uh, activists or civil rights uh, representatives. I, I didn't quite catch the whole story, but he's going to be he's going to be convening a council of people of different backgrounds, different perspectives, different agendas, different interests, in order to define this process or to adjudicate on this process. So it sounds promising, okay? Um, that Twitter's doing something that isn't just like you know, uh, devolving the platform into a hot mess on fire. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll continue with that. I do want to say, uh, what's up to everybody in chat. I came in really hot, so I didn't get a chance to welcome folks. Uh, but trust me, um, I I'm very happy to see all of you and I hope you're all well. Let's do the read. And now thanks to this week's episode sponsor, Votero. UFOs are everywhere. They're in your applications, cloud storage, endpoints, and emails. That's right, UFOs, unidentified file objects, are hiding in files across your organization. UFOs can contain malware that exfiltrates data or deploys ransomware. And 70% of UFOs can't be detected by traditional scanning solutions like antivirus and sandboxing. That's where Votero comes in. 
Votero prevents UFOs before they hitch a ride in on files, without detection and without slowing down business. Do you believe? Learn more at votero.com slash UFOs. That's V-O-T-I-R-O dot com slash UFOs. All right, it's the mid-roll. I can actually take a minute. I was so I was so out of sorts coming into the stream because I knew I was running a few minutes late and I felt bad. I, I really feel bad if I start the stream late, guys. Um, but traffic and then I stopped to get myself. Well, I stopped to get my wife a coffee and then I got myself one, too. Um, I want to thank all of you for being here. Um, you know, whether you're coming in on Twitch, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, coming from my uh, partner channels who I partner with. Uh, genuinely appreciate it. I want to say, I don't know if Jack Scott is in chat, but I want to give her a special shout out. Um, had a conversation with her yesterday. Good to see that she's doing well. Um, guys, I want to remind you, you might have noticed I'm wearing a Recon InfoSec shirt today. Why, Jerry? Why are you wearing that dapper looking Under Armour polo with the Recon InfoSec branding? Well, dear friend, allow me to elaborate. Every Thursday, Recon InfoSec is doing this really cool concept that Red Siege Offensive does on Wednesdays at 1.30. Thursdays at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, um, 12.30 Central, you can jump on the Zoom. I'll drop a link in chat, but if you go to reconinfosec.com slash Thursday Defensive, you can get to it. Here's a link in YouTube chat. Um, it's basically just like an all-hands, super chill um zoom call but they have a guest who like who who brings like something to the table and it, it's not like a presentation where it's like 30 minutes of them talking uh and then you know that's it it's it's like you kind of open up a topic they're an expert on something and then you start having a really interesting back and forth i've gone to probably three or four of them and i have genuinely enjoyed it it's not because they're a stream sponsored like me telling you about this has nothing to do with the sponsorship i enjoy this I try to go whenever I can. I find value in it, and I think you would too. So I wanted to make you all uh, aware of it. Also worth making you aware is that if you haven't gotten the Simply Cyber newsletter, which I talk about literally every show, uh, come check it out. SimplyCyber.io slash newsletter is um, basically it's an email. that it's, it's not really a newsletter. It's an email I send every Monday and it's got three pieces of actual intel. I write the email. It is my perspective. It is my call to actions. Basically, it, it's, it's essentially like if you were on my team, if I was your CISO and you were on my team, I would send this to you and be like, hey, here's some action that you can take uh, to help out, okay? So come check it out. It, it can really give you a leg up uh, on kicking butt. Kicking at work on Monday morning, okay? So that's the goal. I didn't realize Hunters had a Tuesday show. So Red Siege has a Wednesday. Thursday is Recon InfoSec. And uh, I guess Huntress has a Tuesday. I do like Huntress. Obviously, John Hammond's over there. Not Jurassic Park, John Hammond. Redhead, uh, you know, <laughs> streamer or content creator, John Hammond. But it's all good. It's all good. Uh, thanks, Michael Fink. Thanks, uh, Kimberly can fix it. Hey, Just Ben, good to see you guys. Haircut fish. Oh, it's it's What's Your Meme Thursday, too. I am totally forgot. Uh, so it's What's Your Meme Thursday. Uh, before we end the um, the mid-roll, uh, Haircut Fish every Thursday puts a custom meme together for the stream just for us. And today is no different. Here, here is uh, me superimposed on 
Um, what, the character from Office Space with the red stapler. I forget his name. What's his name, chat? But don't make me spicy or I'll burn this place to the ground. That scene from that iconic movie Office Space. What, what, what's his name? Hey, Philip Martin. Hey, Michelle Dane. Milton. Yes, Milton. I did not hear about Emotet being active again, but Emotet surges up like a rash that there's no cream for. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. All right. Thanks so much, Haircut Fish, for the for the uh, the meme. Let's get back into the second half of the news. Google dips its toe into text-to-image. Up until this year, the release of text-to-image engines to the general public caused some concern about how they would be used. With the release of Stability AI's Stable Diffusion and OpenAI's Dolly 2, that theoretical cat is now largely out of the bag. Tortured metaphors aside, Google remains a big name when it comes to AI image generation, but one that so far kept its tech away from public hands. Now it's making its imagined text-to-image model available in its AI test kitchen. It previously used the space to provide limited access to its Lambda model. Users won't have full access to Imagine, but can interact with demos called City Dreamer and Wobble. The former will use the model to generate elements of a city around a user's prompt. The latter does the same thing, but you create a little monster. Google wants feedback on how users try to break the system, as well as how it works overall. All right. I mean, Google does cool stuff. It's, it's, it's cool when you have like infinite money and you can just throw a ton of money at like pet projects. Um... So AI's got some of these, uh, you know, I mean, Google has some of this AI art generated technology. I mean, cool, cool. Like, I I hate to sound like a total prick, but like, whoop-de-doo, Google. Like, why, like, I don't understand. Like, you're late to the game. Dolly 2, mid-journey. I've been cranking out AI generated art for slide decks. Bo Bullock's been doing it over at Black Hills. Like, the train hasn't just left the station. You can't even see the caboose anymore. This thing is so far down the road. So, you know, keep keeping it keeping it under wraps for um, internal use only. It's like, okay, you know, I whatever. Um, it, but, you know, it's fa the fact that Google has it pretty cool. If you haven't played with any of these like Mid Journey or City Dreamer that Google has or the little monster one, Go, go check it out. They're fun, right? I tried to do the Dolly 2 one. It wasn't open when I tried to do it. I got on some reserve list and then I found Mid Journey uh, and I just never looked back. But dude, it's a lot of fun. It takes inputs. It's very cool. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I almost think, uh, you know how like there's a website for like things that Google kills or like the Google graveyard? Um, you know, this could end up there too. Like, I mean, it's cool. It's fun. But like, okay, it's, it's cool and fun. Next. TikTok sends European data to China. The popular social network updated its privacy policy, outlining that European user data can be accessed by its employees outside the block, including in Brazil, Canada, Israel, the U.S., and China. TikTok claims that employees use the data to make the platform consistent, enjoyable, and safe. According to its head of privacy in Europe, Elaine Fox, the data will be subject to a series of robust security controls and approval protocols using methods recognized under GDPR. This comes as the U.S. government continues to wrangle with TikTok over storing U.S. user data in China. The new policy goes into effect December 2nd. All right. Um, I, all right. I, I, I don't really... So... All right. 
here's the deal in information security confidentiality integrity and availability really are the three things that we care about that's like our goal right now privacy you could argue is uh, aligned to that confidentiality security objective but the world of privacy is like a venn diagram with infosec there is overlap but there's a ton of stuff around privacy that i don't care about like like if you're running a privacy program okay like the way you disclose things and the way that you allow people to um request that things be taken down or adjust right those things are all important i'm not saying they're not important i'm just saying i'm an information security professional but you privacy people can have that my my overlap is making sure that the integrity of the controls of the um the integrity of the controls for protecting that privacy uh, of the data that is you know basically uh, supposed to be kept private is intact that's my job and that's where we high five. So this story, like TikTok tells European users that staff in China gets access. So now people, they probably told them because GDPR required it, right? So, you know, like, what are you going to do? You know, it, it, TikTok, wildly popular. China owns it. China's getting all the data. China wants to do it. I have some, like, catch me for a beer in a private conversation. I have some theories that are maybe po politically aligned that I don't want to share on this stream publicly because I keep this apolitical, but you know, at the end of the day, they're a business and it's their, it's their data. You're using the platform for free. So you're the product and your data is what they want, right? That's what they're, that's the asset that they're actually generating, not just for marketing, but for other internal purposes. Right? So, you know, until there's legislation sanctions, uh, policy that says you can't do it, then it's going to keep going. And it gets really funny too because like a country you could as a country you can sanction a business from being able to do business with another country right you could say oh the united states isn't going to do business with china right but like you can't as far as i know you can't tell citizens they're not allowed to use a product right i mean i don't know i mean the us can't say hey us citizens you're not allowed to use tiktok right at least in our country, I know China has the Great Firewall, and they can, or North Korea blocks stuff all the time. So in different, different governments, different regimes, different styles of government, you can do that. But in the United States, you can't do that. So, and Europe has a more democratic approach to things as well. So, this, this is just more visibility. But you know, privacy. Ugh, I probably spent too long talking about this story, anyways. Really quick shout out. Uh, we have our winners, winner, winner, chicken dinner for our Try Hack Me. Not only IT and Dennis Skultity. Not only IT and Dennis Skultity. Congratulations on your W. Connect with me on Discord. You guys, I know not only IT is typically here, but Dennis, I don't recognize. So Dennis, if you're on Team Replay, guys, congratulations. Uh, for those who didn't win that are Team Replay, uh, better luck next time. All right, let's keep going. Twitter disrupts China-based influence operations. The recently transacted social network released data on the covert operations to researchers and the Washington Post. Twitter removed three distinct networks operating out of China, taking down 2,000 user accounts. These posed as U.S.-based. Two targeted a right-leaning audience and one left-leaning, all of them hitting on hot-button issues, including election rigging, trying to stoke hyper-partisan discord. These takedowns occurred between April and October, with one network tweeting out over 250,000 times. Some of these accounts also received non-insignificant followings, with one account having over 26,000 followers and receiving 180,000 retweets of various conspiracy theories. 
Wow, interesting. So China had uh, some Twitter accounts um, that 2,000 of them, frankly, that got deleted ahead. So like, this is really cool. I'm glad to see it. Um, there's a lot of discussion around the integrity of the elections in the U.S. coming up next week. Um, and I'm happy, you know, obviously misinformation, disinformation campaigns, propaganda um, would be used by uh, United States adversaries in order to uh, sow discontent and, you know, basically tear, tear the system apart from the inside. Now, without giving too much away, may I just point out how how could China possibly be able to pick such polarizing topics and be able to weave such disinformation campaigns to stoke fear and, and sow discontent. If only they had a social media platform and all the data from it to know what people were actually really into. Hmm. I don't know. That's a thought thought exercise, something to really consider. But hey, you know what? Really, really happy uh, that they did this and, you know, promoting uh, election integrity. DOJ indicts hacker group for RICO conspiracy. The U.S. Department of Justice partially unsealed charges against eight individuals involved in a cybercrime organization operating a racketeer-influenced and corrupt organizations, or RICO, conspiracy. The accused allegedly purchased server credentials of CPAs and tax prep firms on the dark web. They then used this access to steal thousands of tax returns, file false returns, and then open bank accounts under fraudulent tax businesses to receive tax preparer fees. The group claimed over $36 million in false refunds, but the actual loss amount appears to be closer to $4 million. The operators face up to 44 years in prison. Cybersecurity. All right, hold on. So that's the, the news. I'm, I'm still reading this. Um, so I can't help but when I think of Rico, I think of that scene from um, the, the, uh, the Dark Knight where, um, you know, they, they've got the, uh, the, 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 a Taiwanese guy or, you know, the, the Singapore guy who's like running the money for all of the criminal organizations in Gotham. And then he's gone back and they can't get him. And then uh, Harvey Dent's like, Rico, we'll get him on the Rico. Like, yes. Okay. So that's what I think of when I think of Rico. Basically, eight individuals broke into a CPA firm, stole thousands of people's tax returns, and then filed fraudulent tax returns. This is, you know, peanut butter and jelly. Like there's nothing like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in a lunchbox, right? Like there's nothing crazy sophisticated going on here. Like tax fraud has been around since taxes were getting paid. Um, and it, I mean, it sucks obviously because each and every person that has a fraudulent tax return filed, they are getting screwed. The U S government is getting screwed. Everybody's getting screwed except these people who are taking the money and laughing all the way to the bank, right? So where's the... Uh, oh, I got rid of the cash register. Hmm. Great cash, homie. All right. So anyways, <laughs> so Jeremy Williams with the super chat on the boo-boo bus. Have a great day. Oh, paramedic Jeremy Williams. Thank you so much. Um, so anyways, good. You know what? I, I like that the people are being held accountable for committing cybercrime. They should be held accountable. One of the best ways to deter people from bad behavior is to make examples of other people and show them very overtly, hey, you want to commit a crime? It's up to you. But here is the here is the risk that you're taking. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Yes. Do the G, do the GRC risk analysis on yourself, right? That's why ransomware is so rampant right now, because the impact of the, the, the threat of getting caught and the punishment for it, uh, while serious, the likelihood is very low. So the risk isn't that high. So go for it. 
this right here, you want to commit tax fraud? I dare you, because you're going to go to jail for minimum, it says here, 20 years in federal prison. 20 years in federal prison. You know what I don't want to do? Spend a day in federal prison, let alone 20 years. Get out of here with that noise. No thank you at all. So let me... Um, here, what, what, what do we want to listen to, guys, on our, as, we, as we see ourselves out here? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, um, here we go. All right, guys. So that's going to do it for the news today. Kind of a quick show. Started late, ended early. Um, I'm kind of, I don't want to say out of sorts, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, hustling around uh, with a lot going on uh, as usual. Uh, if you were here just for the news, thank you very much. If you want to drop off, go for it. Uh, I would like to spend just a few minutes saying hi and, and, and connecting with everybody. Um, remember, uh, later today, if you didn't know, it is Thursday. I do a Simply Cyber live stream every Thursday. And today's guest is Bob Gorley. Where are you, Bob? Bob, Bob, Bob. Bob Gorley right here. And Bob... I can't get the stupid thing to, to, to turn over. But Bob Gorley, this guy right here, uh, you can't see his picture, but he has been around for a very long time. He runs Uticon, which is in the um, the Beltway area down in Virginia. This guy's very well-informed, very smart, longtime practitioner. He was in the mil well, he was in the federal government when the original sophisticated threat actors came on the scene. I'm talking, you want to talk about OG elders of the InfoSec world? This guy helped define it. When I heard his story, it made me think of Cliff Stoll and the cuckoo's egg and what happened over at UCAL Berkeley. It's, it's, it's very similar in the ways that he was given a, a challenge. Hey, we've got this thing. We don't understand any of it. It's your job to figure it out. That was Bob Gorley. We're going to go over that and so much more. I actually saw him on a panel yesterday talking about quantum computing. I didn't realize that was in his wheelhouse. So we'll get into that as well. So if you want, uh, stay tuned to the Simply Cyber channel here on YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitch, Twitter. And uh, join us at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time later today. As I mentioned, at 1.30, I will be in this Zoom call just as a participant, hanging, having a good time. Uh, connecting with other professionals and having just, you know, good knowledge share. All right. Thanks, Jeff Fuller. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Leonardo, my man. Oh, uh, you missed everything. Well, don't worry, man. Uh, the replay will be good, Leonardo. Hey, Matt McDaniel. Thank you so much. My pleasure delivering the threat brief. Carrie, the, the winners of the raffle today were not only IT and Dennis Skultati on Discord. Today was a raffle for the Team Replay people as well, so they could participate. I hope uh, I hope the Team Replay people can, can appreciate that I'm trying to incorporate them in the raffles. Uh, hey, Ben. Good to see you. All right, Cyber Munchkin. Sounds good. We'll see you at 4.30. Hey, Jenny Housley. Thanks for the squad support. Have a great day. Nathan Bolin. I love it. Just Ben tagging me in chat. Thanks for the threat brief. Great energy to start the day. My man. Love it. No problem, Carrie. That's why we ask. Got your book? Oh, Jonathan Knock. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. <laughs> Adam with the yeet. Throwing you out the sh out the meeting, uh, Adam. InfoSec kid with the coffees. Brady. Brady McNulty. My pleasure, man. Great, great seeing you. Hey, Kimberly. Always good to see you. That's right, Jim Lund. Good to see you. Thanks for the squad support. Nathan Bolin, my man. Allison Van Stone, MBA delivering great value on her 100 days of cyber. Been following that. 
Jeremiah Gutierrez, what was the name of the guy you were just speaking about? Um, mm, uh, which which guy, Jer Jeremiah? Let me know in chat. I'm, I'm not. I mentioned a bunch of people. Bob Gorley, this guy right here. Um, he'll be my guest later today at 4:30 p.m. Eastern time, Jeremiah. If that's what you're talking about, so come join us there. We got one more minute and six seconds before I hang up here. Oh, good, brave robot. I'm glad you uh, enjoying try hack me. You, congratulations on winning. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> Casey Gaska getting yeeted. Base case. Replay's a good one today. It's a fast show. 38 minutes, my man. Love love the NCC group. Uh, they're all jumping in here, having a good time, usually on replay. All right, guys. As the Weezer brings us out, have a great one. Be good. I'll see you at 1.30 as a participant in the... Thursday defensive Zoom call and 4.30 p.m. Eastern time for my guest interview. Be good, everybody. Take care. We'll see you later today.